where the birds they do whistle and the notes do whatever it is I need to do, whether it's healing or weather work or any kind of magic. I am from what I've begun calling West by God Buncombe County in Western North Carolina. I'm a writer. I'm uh, the village witch. I serve as clergy in a goddess temple. I'm a farmer. I'm a folklorist. I'm a storyteller. I sing. I just started singing gospel music again, which is a lot of fun. Um, so I'm kind of a Jill of all trades and a master of just a few. Um, I was really fortunate. I grew up. I grew up in a cove in West Buncombe County, and I learned at an early age about being outside and being The defense commission of these four murders over a 10-day period is one of the worst killing sprees in the history of this state. Skin them sometimes, uh, slit them, slit them all the way open. Uh. I'm here looking for the spirits of anybody that still remains. I have a device in my hand. If you would like to talk to it, please come forward. Tell me your story. Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people, then I would have felt better. Then when I felt like I really offered society something. You are listening to Serial Spirits, the podcast. Guys, welcome to another episode of Serial Spirits, the podcast. It is me, your host, Brendan Shane. With me, as always, is the beautiful and the lovely. Annie Weebs, how are you, Shea Bay? We're going to talk about something today that's right up your alley, isn't this it, This is a Annie? fun one. I'm, I'm excited for this one. I yeah, am. This is, this is one that's a, this is a home topic for Annie, and I'm excited to get into it because I really don't know a lot, and it talks about the area where we live, the Appalachian Mountains. And for those of you who don't know, I found this out last year when I moved here. It is pronounced Appalachian. The people who aren't from this area say Appalachia. But if you're from this area, it's Appalachia. Appalachia. So, Shay, we are going to discuss a group of people that are known as the Granny Witches 
of Appalachia. Before we get into this exciting episode, let's give a shout out to our patrons this month. Bethany Hammontree and Cool Scout 09, thank you so much for supporting Serial Spirits, the Serial Spirits podcast, and Paranormal Warehouse. And if you guys want to become patrons and hear more content, get free content, get stuff exclusively early, you can go to patreon.com forward slash paranormal warehouse and you can become a patron today. Annie, I know you're super excited to talk about this, so let's get into it. What, what, What are we calling this episode? The Granny Witches of Appalachia. The Granny Witches, episode 42, The Granny Witches of Appalachia. Let's do it. And would you say that it's as common as it used to be when you were growing up? Is it less common? Less common. I don't think people, I think people look at it now as more devil worshiping than they do give from God. I think they really, I think people are more afraid of it and disbelieving in it. People used to believe in prayer and they believed in the spiritual being that it was God healed and now I think they don't believe what they used to. Do you think it's the older generation that still practices or do you know of any people in younger generations that may have a gift, believe in this, practice this? You know, I really hadn't thought of that, but probably it's it's a dying art is probably what it is. It's probably the older generation, probably much younger than my generation. Um, they look at it as witchcraft, voodoo, uh, something on that line. They don't believe in in this, this, they just don't believe. Deep in the Appalachian Mountains lies a history and culture that most have never seen or experienced. This history and the tales that come from it are centered around generations of people who ventured into new frontiers with little more than the clothes on their backs, generations who learned to live off of the land in conventional and some unconventional ways. And deep at the heart of these tales are a group of resourceful people known as the Granny Witches of Appalachia. The Appalachian region is an area of the United States that spans from the most southern region of New York State to the northern parts of Missouri, Alabama, and Georgia, and include regions of Pennsylvania, Ohio, Kentucky, Virginia, Maryland, Tennessee, and North and South Carolina. The only state that is fully encompassed in the Appalachian region is our beautiful home state of West Virginia. These areas are known for their dense forest, tall mountain peaks, and deep valleys, 
Because of the topography and difficulty traveling in and out of the terrain, most people, once settled in the Appalachian region, stayed for many generations, most separated from the outside world. Families who had traveled to the area together would most likely pick an area together and would form little homestead towns, relying on each other and their surroundings for survival. At the time that European settlers arrived, most of the Appalachians were populated by Native American settlements. White men entering their lands sometimes ended in skirmishes and bloody battles, but also sometimes led to friendships and the exchange of information that would later become an important factor in locating some of their important resources. The history of the Appalachian region dates back as early as the 16th century, as settlers began encompassing the countryside. Mostly Scottish, Irish, and German, they brought their traditions from the old countries with them. Learning to live off of the land was the only way of survival, and part of this survival meant that it was inevitable that people would get sick, have babies, sustain injuries, things that nowadays we would run to the doctor about. But doctors didn't exist everywhere, and neither did the money or the means of transporting yourself for miles upon miles to find one of those doctors. In stepped the granny witches. Granny witches were typically the elder, well-respected women in their communities who mixed homespun herbal remedies with a little bit of superstition to bring aid to those in need. One of the most important events that granny wives participated in was acting as a midwife during childbirth. It wasn't uncommon for an experienced granny to perform intrauterine examinations to make sure the baby was in proper positioning for delivery. Blackberry tea was often given to the mother to prevent hemorrhaging. Raspberry tea was used to relax the uterine muscles and make for a shorter and less painful birth. Slippery elm bark could also be used to speed up delivery, but had to be used with caution because when used early on in pregnancy could result in miscarriage. But there were only so many herbal remedies that granny wives could provide to ease the pain of childbirth. So this is where some superstition stepped in. Granny witches would sometimes quill the expectant mother, which meant filling a turkey quill with snuff and blowing it into her face. When the mother sneezed, it would help push the baby out. The mother might be given her husband's hat to hold during childbirth, which would symbolically bring him into the room with her. All the doors and windows would be open throughout the house, symbolizing the opening of the birth canal. An ax could be placed beside the birthing bed to cut the pain in two. Burning feathers under the bed sheets were believed to reduce the mother's pain as well. After the birth of the child, it wasn't uncommon for the granny to stay with the mother for the next few days to help tend to her home and the baby. Wrapping the baby in the father's shirt was meant to bring good luck, and sometimes special teas made of onions and catnip were given to the baby to cause hives, which was believed to be essential in bringing the baby good health. Granny witch medicine most always came from the earth. Grannies mixed knowledge from their own homelands, mixed it with the teachings of Native Americans to discover what herbs and natural remedies were available in the Appalachian area. Ginger was mixed with teas to treat stomach aches, nausea, heartburn, and was also used as an anti-inflammatory. Elderberries were renowned for their wide array of healing powers, including alleviating the symptoms of colds and flu. It could also be made into a delicious wine, which, to many, was enough medicine itself. Plantain leaves were commonly found a green plant that had antibacterial and anti-inflammatory properties, 
and were often used as a poultice or salve to treat cuts, burns, stings, and dry skin. Thyme was a common herb that grew year-round and was used as an antiseptic and antiviral cure. One of the most basic cure-alls, even in Appalachian culture today, is salt. Salt water could be gargled for a sore throat and dissolved in a bath to treat aches, pains, and wounds. Chewing the gummy sap of a pine tree could ease coughs, congestion, and sore throats as well. Burdock plants, which sprouted bright purple blooms with prickly burrs, were the jackpot of all plants to find. Brewing a tea made of burdock could be used to treat dysentery, joint pain, gout, water retention, bladder infections, acne, psoriasis, some even said it could cure cancer. And let's not forget, perhaps the most sought after plant of all found throughout the Appalachians, ginseng. The potent root is still looked upon as extremely valuable today and has been used for centuries to treat high blood sugar, inflammation, erectile dysfunction, and used to increase energy and cognitive ability. But again, not all ailments were physical. The folk magic traditions of the Granny Witches were also known to treat mental and emotional maladies. For example, to cure a broken heart, one must write down a prayer of intention and light two candles during sunset. As they burn, recite your prayer of intention and let both candles burn out. How do you get rid of fitful nightmares? Simply place a bouquet of bluebells in a vase next to your bed. Bluebells were believed to call fairies when they were rung, and while fairies were sometimes believed to bring mischief and bad luck, could also alleviate the nightmares. And the most important spell of all, perhaps? Let's talk about revenge. There were numerous spells and incantations that could be recited to make sure that those who had wronged you got what they deserved. Some of those recitations included, May the seven terriers of hell sit on your breast and bark at your soul. May six horse loads of graveyard clay fall on top of you. May the cats eat you. May the devil swallow you sideways. May the snails devour your corpse and the rain rot it away. May the devil sweep you away, you hairy creature. You know, that that almost sounds like an, an Irish uh, saying there. A lot of them and, were and Irish. And a lot of them were Irish, right. especially when you listen to the music. But it's kind of weird to think about. Uh, I was talking about this the other day with a guy I work with, and he got a book, and it was basically the plants of the Appalachian Mountains, and how the Native Americans knew exactly what plants did what. And it was like they, they just knew. They knew where to go, where to find it, and what it was used for. So if they had a headache, they'd immediately go. And maybe it was trial and error, or maybe they just knew. Right. I don't know. But, I mean, it's it's crazy to think about that we forget that back in the day there was no technology. And this is all they had to do was live off the land and find natural remedies themselves to take care of these things, everyday things that we don't think about. Now we just go to the hospital to have a baby and we don't think about the medicines they use or we don't even care about it. But this was an ordeal where they had to prep and get all this stuff ready to go before this woman was going to give birth. I mean, it's crazy to think about. In the Appalachian area, specifically the Cherokee were a huge tribe here. And so when they came in and settled these lands, yes, it led to a lot of bloody battles and 
you know, a lot of bad things, but a lot of these elders actually formed relationships with the Cherokee and with the other Native American tribes that were here, and they taught each other things. And, and so that's, that's cr- that was crucial. It I mean, was, that was crucial, a crucial for point their of survival. survival. Yeah, because these people were already here living and thriving in this region. And why wouldn't you? Why would you want to make enemies and eradicate them when you can learn off of each other and learn how to survive? Because that's what it was about, survival. So let's go ahead and take a break, Annie, and we'll talk more about Granny Witches when we come back. Elijah, are you ready to bring on the weird? Yes, Will I am. Are you ready to bring on the weird? Did you did you just make a Will I am joke? Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> nice. I'll allow it. Anyway, we're just a couple of harmless guys digging into weird things we don't know much about. We're just trying to figure out what the hell is happening in the world outside our homes. Do we get things wrong? Without a doubt. Are we learning from those mistakes? Not anytime soon. Are you entertained by the crap we're talking about? Of course. That's why I always listen to the show. You listen? Alright, what do you like to listen to about the show? I like aliens, conspiracies, cryptids, NWO, shadow government... You name it. What? Oh, hold on. Do the aliens come from inside the Earth instead of interstellar travel? What made the conspiracy start? Why did that cryptid evolve to do the things it does? Who runs this NWO? Listen in as we dive into all manners of subjects as we bring on the weird. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. You can listen to clips of our episodes on our YouTube channel. Listen, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser.com. You can also listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Maine, the northernmost state in America, usually thought of as a quaint, safe vacation destination. Our motto is, the way life should be. But did you know serial killer John Joseph Jobert was raised in Maine and was convicted of three stabbing murders of young boys? or the unsolved abduction of baby girl Ayla Reynolds, supposedly stolen from her bed near Christmas 2011. Her body has never been found. These are just two of the main stories Murderific has covered. We cover crimes from all areas and main cases as well. Murderific True Crime Podcast, hosted by me, Bernadette, can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts, or go to Murderific.com. We will be executing podcasts one crime at a time. Morbidology is a weekly true crime podcast hosted by me, Emily G. Thompson, author of Unsolved Child Murders, Cults Uncovered, and co-author of Unsolved Murders, True Crime Cases Uncovered. 911 emergency. My son shot my husband. I need an ambulance. He's bleeding. Using investigative research combined with primary audio, including 911 calls, interviews, and trial testimony, Morbidology takes a look at some of the world's most heinous murders. Do you know why you're here? For a uh, home invasion gone terribly wrong. Listen to Morbidology now on Apple, Spreaker, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever else you get podcasts. So Annie, guess what? 
What, Jay? I just got off the phone with Mike Diamond. You know, Mike Deli Meats. Deli Meats. Yeah, and he just told me that we have a Patreon set up. We do have a Patreon. 100%. Hot diggity dog. And we are so excited to be part of this Patreon with ParanormalWarehouse.com because guess what? You can get our podcast exclusively a week early before everybody else gets to hear it. And that's pretty sweet. Not just can you get Serial Spirits a week early, you can get all the shows that Paranormal Warehouse has to offer, plus all kinds of Paranormal Warehouse merch that is not available to the public. Patreon.com forward slash Paranormal Warehouse. Guys, this is where it's at. Live out your best quarantine days watching Paranormal Warehouse. You won't regret it. Alex King from the American Ghost Hunter Show, he just got a sweet Serial Spirits tank top. And let me tell you what, his nipples do hang out of them. His nipples have never looked better. So become a patron today. Go to patreon.com forward slash Paranormal Warehouse. Get our show a week early with some other cool stuff. Go to sleep, you little baby. Go to sleep, you little baby. Your mama gone away, and your daddy gonna stay. Didn't leave nobody but the baby. Go to sleep, you little baby. Go to sleep, you little baby. Everybody's gone in the cotton and the corn. Didn't leave nobody but the baby. Don't you weep, pretty baby Don't you weep, pretty baby She's long gone with her red shoes on Gonna need another loving baby You are listening to Serial Spirits, the podcast. So, granny witches were always considered among the most respected people in their communities, and their abilities to heal were always respected, right? Well, not necessarily. Remember the reason that most of these people ventured to America anyway, to flee religious persecution. And while some in their communities believed that their abilities were God-given and their duties as handed down by Christ, some also looked upon them as unnatural and pagan and believed that their healing abilities were actually a form of pagan worship seeing how most of their cures and spells involved earth and nature. So the term granny witch was not always accepted in communities, and so the term granny wives sometimes replaced the darker, more negative connotation of being a witch. There was another practice that granny witches partook of that not everyone in their day believed was of the Lord's work. Shay, have you ever heard the term witching for water? Is that where you go and take a a stick and basically go around looking for water, almost like dowsing rods? You are 100% correct. Yeah, it's like dowsing. Witching for water is a practice using a set of tools commonly used in paranormal investigating, dowsing rods. So how did dowsing rods help people centuries ago find water? Dowsing was considered to be a divine process that used the Earth's vibrations to unearth water, precious metals, oil, ley lines, even grave sites. The practice was first documented in the 1500s in Germany when it was believed that a forked or Y-shaped stick could be used to find precious metals. It was believed that if you cut branches from a tree, especially witch hazel, willow, or peach trees, 
and held the forked branches in your hands with the V-shaped portion pointing out that when you walked over an area where water was below the ground, the branch would move or dip downwards. The practice of witching for water was something that came to America with the new settlers and still to this day is used to dig wells in Appalachia. But as early as the 1600s, the divine practice of witching had already gained a negative connotation among some of the most devout Christian followers. A poem written in 1651 by a satirical writer named Samuel Shepard stated the following about the practicing of witching for water and other elements. Some sorcerers do boast they have a rod, gathered with vows and sacrifice, and borne about will strangely nod to hidden treasure where it lies. Mankind is sure that rod divine, for the wealthiest ever, they incline. First of all, Russell Ryan, if you're listening <laughs> listening to that, we used rod several times. These guys were always about rods back the pioneer days. So, you know, like uh, that's I think something you guys need to look into. That's why rods I, in the pioneer days. That is why I paused there. You know, maybe some of these rods came from you know Native American stories. Yeah. Hello. So the flying rods could be people looking for water. Is that what you're saying? I don't know. Russ, you might have to look into that, being the, the master of the rods. But it's interesting to think. I mean, if you think about like using a stick, it's a plant. So in essence, it's always looking for water. So that whole idea, like, yeah, it's going to go to where the water is. I mean, plants are alive. They're not, they're not just some mindless entity. They, they're alive. Okay, so my brother bought a house, what, four or five years ago, and it sits on top of a hill, and he has a, a water problem all the time. And a couple of years ago, they hired somebody to come in and dig for a well. And he said this guy literally found sticks on his property and walked around until he did the process of witching for water. And by golly, he found a well. Yeah, it's that's why it's they crazy. do it. It makes sense. It's not like it's a, a, a it, it's not real. I mean, they actually did it. They found water that way. And they did find metals that way, too. It's crazy. Today, the more sophisticated water witches are more inclined to use new man-made metal rods, much like the ones we've seen used during paranormal investigations although some still prefer the good old-fashioned branches cut from a tree. Although most of the Granny Witch population is gone, many ancestors have carried on the practices of herbalism today. If the practice of herbalism is something you'd like to discover yourself, there are schools that you can attend to teach you the centuries-old practices. The Appalachian School of Holistic Herbalism in Asheville, North Carolina, has been in operation for nearly 30 years, with a mission statement of, quote, offering life-enhancing skills to impart deep wellness and vitality, focusing on promoting healing through preventative medicine, as well as educating individuals on how to create a sustainable lifestyle. Herbalacha, a program based out of Johnson City, Tennessee, actually takes its students into the hills of Appalachia to harvest their own herbs, then teaches them how to create their own medicinal herbal mixtures. Shay, this is a really popular thing right now, and you can find books online, you can find tutorials about how to go into the woods, find your own herbs. 
I think it's fascinating because one hundred percent fascinating. Guess who's doing it? Guess who wants to learn how to do it all? You. Yeah, I went out and bought herbs this year just so. I mean, you hate. I'm the kind of guy you conspiracy theory guy, and you think about all this stuff, the world, the way, the shape the world's in. You know what I mean? Like we're in the prime place. We're in the prime location. We could live off, you know, at, in the woods. Out we of, could be self sustaining. Yeah. I mean, and it, it makes sense to learn all that stuff, and the stigma behind it all. Because the term witch, everyone thinks that it's some evil plot, especially all these narrow-minded Christian people. No offense to anybody who has a religious belief. That's not what I mean. But it's just, it's frowned upon. Where did where does this stuff come from? Where do you get meats from? Where do you get your medicine from? It all comes from the earth. You know what I mean? And this is what these people had to live with. And this is was their belief system. So I'm sorry that that offends you. But that's that's what this is. It's an interesting subject. And it's not anything, anything negative. You know, I was really close with my maternal grandfather. I grew up next door to him. And we've traced his family back to Johnson City, Kentucky. And so he used to tell me about his grandmother, Josephine, and her sisters. And he said that people in their community actually called them witches. And so I don't know if they were like the granny witches of the community, but he actually claimed that they had some other kind of like supernatural powers, I guess. He said that he once saw one of his great aunts close the mouth of a dog who was trying to bite one of the kids that was there. And he said, literally, she did some type of, she said something that was almost like a spell. And he said that dog's mouth closed and wouldn't open again until she threw a biscuit at him and said something again. And the dog opened his mouth and ate the biscuit. And he used to call me by my great grandmother's name, Josephine. And, you know, he was the one who came to me many times in dreams. And so you kind of have to wonder if there was a little something more to I believe it there. It. I mean, you know, they talk about like one of the things you said that they would put bluebells next to the bed and it would attract the fairies. I think traditionally that's probably an Irish thing or a Scottish thing because, you know, they believe in the fairies and the leprechauns and those elemental spirits. And that makes total sense. But, you know, where would you find something like that in these deep forests these hills and these hollers and like the, it's it's a magical place if you spend enough time in the woods and app in the appalachian mountains it is magical it is it is weird there's places where i've had strange experiences i've walked the woods at night many times uh hunting and i've been in the woods during the day and it's peaceful it's tranquil and it's also strange and i said this all the time there's magic in the hills and whether you believe it or not it's there i mean we've talked many times this is a hot spot for ufos for bigfoot for goblins i mean you know we're one of, we talk about it all the time hell you're one of the best series out there they they talk about all this crazy stuff too but it's this region it's it's a magical place and there's a lot of folklore to it and i think a lot of it's true so shay that was just a very quick basic rundown of the Granny Witches of Appalachia. There are so many websites and books that you can find on Amazon that talk more about the traditions. We can really go on all day. But um, yeah, that's that's our story of the Granny Witches today. And it's, it's, it's a great subject, and I'm glad you brought it up because I know it's been an interest for years, and you have witches in your family. You know what I mean? It's not just a bunch of hocus pocus. It's not. So if anybody out there listening has Granny Witch stories of their own, please feel free to email us, serialspirits at AOL.com, or reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Tell us your stories, because I'd love to come back on and kind of do a follow-up to this 
to hear about your own granny witch stories or maybe your own superstitions in Appalachia. I love it. I think it's fascinating. And if you want to give me some tips on herbs and that kind of stuff, you know, heck yeah. So guys, thanks again for listening to another episode of Serial Spirits, the podcast. We'll be back soon, guys. So until next time, we'll see you when we see you. Bye-bye, witches. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Serial Spirits podcast. Follow us on all your social media apps, facebook.com forward slash Serial Spirits. On Twitter, at Serial Spirits. Listen to us on all podcasting platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you subscribe. Follow us on our mothership at ParanormalWarehouse.com. Become a patron today at www.patreon.com forward slash Paranormal Warehouse. Until next time, guys, be aware and be safe. In Trance the ones who sound their names Bloody from the branch and the bride They dance around at